freedom that we have in Jesus. And I'm basing what I want to say this morning on Galatians 5. I have preached a similar message before, but it's part of our series that we are doing at the beginning of this year, just reminding ourselves as a church what we really want to lay as foundations in our lives. And I started a number of weeks ago by preaching on Psalm 67, which cries out to God for His blessing. And uh, the psalmist is saying, God bless me so I can be a blessing to everybody else in the nations of the world. And we had a look at that prayer and what that means. And then after that, I looked at generosity in terms of a biblical lifestyle that we give friendship and love and every aspect of our lives because we love Jesus and we want to see other people blessed in the nations of the world. And we looked at generosity. Thirdly, I looked at the Bible as God's authoritative word. Why do we believe the Bible is God's word? And uh, I said the Bible is inspired, infallible. And if you need to be convinced of those things, I would encourage you that you go and have a listen again on YouTube, that the Bible will be for you an absolute rock of your life that you base your life on, that you can trust God's word. All right? And fourthly, Helen looked uh, last week at a really beautiful uh, message. I want to encourage you to listen to that as well if you weren't here, where she just talked about the glory of God and the presence of God and how we can know God's glory in our lives and His presence in our lives. And uh, she did an amazing job. And so today I want to look at this as another foundation stone in your life that you will be fully convinced that you are free as a Christian, all right? And this is what Paul says. He says, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. This is an amazing thought. The reason God saved you was to make you free. And the Christian life is all about freedom. And perhaps you've come from a church where the, the, the Christian life has not been all about freedom. It's been about you behave like this and you wear these clothes and you don't do this and you do this and you don't do that. Well, that's not biblical freedom. I'm not trying to dish every, any other church. I'm just trying to say we need to hold to the Scripture. And this is what Paul says, Galatians 5, verse 1. Read with me. It says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourself be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you. Again, I declare every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. Strong words, eh? You have fallen away from grace if you depend on anything else except Jesus. This is what Paul is saying. Don't do that. Don't allow yourself to come under that. And then he finally, uh, verse 5, he finishes with this. For through the Spirit we eagerly await for faith, by faith, for the righteousness for which we hope. Amen. You want to live well. You want to live a righteous life. What do you depend on? The grace of God and you live by faith. That's what brings the peace of God into your life. That's what brings uh, chases away anxiety and fretting the grace of God by faith in your life that's what Paul is saying that's what we that's what we hope for that's what we are waiting for 
in our lives. And so why does Paul write this letter? Well, in Galatia, we're not quite sure where Galatia was, but it is in modern-day Turkey. If you've ever been to Cyprus, just north on the mainland, that area in the old biblical times was called Galatia. And one of the big churches there was a church called Antioch. And um, this teaching that Paul is trying to refute when he writes the letter to the Galatians, you would think that Paul might have an easier time with Jewish Christians than with Gentile Christians who came from um, a pagan background. However, that was not the case because the Jewish believers, the Jewish converts, started to quite early in the, li- in the, in the early church s- already preach this doctrine that Christians needed to become more Jewish and convert to Jewish customs to be truly saved. And it started in Judea, and it spread all the way up to Galatia. And we know that from Acts 15, verse 1, it says this, Certain people came from Judea to Antioch, and they were teaching the believers, saying, Unless you are circumcised according to the custom and taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. So in other words, Jesus is cool, but you need some other things as well as Jesus. And this is what they're teaching these Gentiles. And as this doctrine arose... Paul disputes it, he he debates with these people, he writes letters to them, and so much of what Paul says in this letter is an argument stating his position on the issue of whether Christians have to keep the Jewish law of Moses. Well, what does that have to do with us, you might say? Well, if this is not an academic question, this is a question of salvation and how we live. This is a very, very important question that Paul helps us to answer and to see. We are made righteous. We are made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ and nothing else. And this is Paul's point that he drives on over and over and over again. And he appeals to these Galatians not to go back to legalism. Not to go back to putting their trust in anything. Moral rules, uh, Rules that other people say you must live under the, 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 the laws of Moses. He appeals to them over and over again. Don't put your life under that authority. There's only one authority in your life, that Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what he's appealing over and over and over again. And if you read the, the, the letter, in, in, it starts with him saying, I am astonished that you have so quickly deserted the gospel that you knew. And in chapter 3, he says, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Who's put a spell on you that you think you you can start by the Spirit and then end up again under the law? What is wrong with you? And my friends, I want to encourage you this morning that you would fight for the freedom that Christ has bought for you in your life. That you will not come under any law by anyone saying you need to live like this to please God. You already please God fully because of Jesus and what he's done for you. And he is already loves you completely and beautifully. You are beautiful to him right now as you believe by faith in all the things that still need to change in your life. You are already beautiful to him. You are already loved. And that means, well, how do we live then? Oh, that is a very, very good question. Because when you see, when you hear this preached, people say, it is too good to be true. How can that possibly be true? Are you saying all I have to do is put my faith in Jesus? I'm saying yes. All you have to do is put your faith in Jesus. And you see, over the years, unfortunately, this is such a radical message that over the years, churches have 
felt the need to tone down this message. Why? Because they want people to be, be good Christians. And so it's like, well, if we just, yeah, it is about Jesus, but, you know, you know let's just kind of subtly tell people that you need to behave like this. And, and you need to dress like this. And, and you can't have a glass of wine. And, and you, you can't do this if you truly are going to be a Christian. I say, rubbish. As Paul says, rubbish, dung. That is not the gospel. The gospel is you have been set free on the inside by the power of the Spirit. And because you love Jesus with all of your heart, you automatically live a certain kind of life out of love. Not because anyone is telling you or instructing you or saying you're going to go to hell if you don't do this. That is a completely different thing. That is a life of freedom, not a life of coercion or subtly just letting people know when they do things wrong. How many of you have been part of churches like that? Only a few of you. I have. It's not a cool thing. There's no peace in that. There's no joy in that. There's only religion in that, and religion kills. If you don't believe me that religion kills, just have a look what is happening in Iran right now. Ladies, young women saying, I will not wear a headscarf because uh, I'm free. And what, is it, what has happened? The moral police. They even call themselves the moral police. What have they done? They have killed young women that refused to wear a headscarf. Religion always kills. It always brings death. It never brings joy to your life. Ever. And it's the same in church. I've been part of churches that are legalistic, and is there any joy in it? Is there any peace? Is there any kindness? It's full of people saying, you didn't do that, and you didn't do that, and how can you be a Christian and do this? No love. That was a bit strong. <laughs> Paul wants us to understand that the gospel brings us freedom from fear, and freedom from condemnation, and it also leads us to, by grace, to obedience and living for God and not just living for ourselves. That's what grace is. That's what Paul is saying. So, first thing I want to say, we are set free for freedom. This is really the summary of the whole of this amazing letter of Paul's argument. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. It's, it's actually so strongly worded in the Greek that, that the subject and the verb are f about freedom. He's actually saying, freedom is why you were freed by Christ. That's what he's saying. He can't say it any more strongly. He's saying, freedom is the reason that you were set free by Jesus, and everything about the Christian gospel is freedom. But secondly, the thing I want you to notice is this. Why does Paul say, if it's, so, if it's so complete that we have this freedom in Jesus, why does Paul say, stand firm then? Why, why does he qualify and say, stand firm in this freedom that you have? Why? Because this freedom can be lost. You have to fight for it. You have to fight for freedom in your life. And I've discovered that for over many, many years. Our freedom can, that has been bought for us in Jesus is fragile and it can slip from our grasp if we allow other things to push in on our lives and rob us of that joy and that freedom. And this is what Paul is saying. So to stand in this freedom, we have to fight for it and stand 
firm. And here there's an interesting parallel for me right now in our political kind of arena because there's so many people with so many different convictions around what is their rights. These are my rights. This is personal freedom. This is what I believe. Wada, wada, wada. And they are very prepared to stand on the streets and to throw soup onto Van Gogh paintings and to do a whole manner of things to say, this is our rights. We need to stand for this freedom. Yes? And in the same way, I want to say to you, you have to stand for that freedom in your life that Christ has bought for you. You've got to fight for it. It's the same with spiritual freedom. This is what Paul says over and over again in the Gospels and in the New Testament. Not in the Gospels, in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians 16. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Do everything in love. Uh, if you didn't add do everything in love, then it would all be about like me and my effort. And No, no. Do everything in love. But stand firm. Be courageous. Fight for this. Don't let it be rough for you. Uh, what about Philippians 1.27? Whatever happens, I don't know what's going to happen in the future, guys. No one does. Jesus does. But whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus. My friends, that is such a challenge to me. Whatever happens, whoever's in power, whatever the economy does, Whatever happens in the world, you, in your life, day by day, conduct yourself in a manner that is worthy of Jesus. In how you react, how you speak to others, how you love other people. That's what the Christian life is. Conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel. And stand firm. So this is like a military word, which mixes together uh, being alert, keeping your mind, keeping yourself self-controlled, being strong, that there's a physical kind of, I'm determined to do this. And resisting and also sticking together, helping each other. That's how we stand firm. We stand firm together. We encourage each other. We're on each other's shoulders. That's how we help, help each other to stand firm. When you see someone coming under like some kind of thing that's not the Holy Spirit in their life, say, my, my, my friend, let me help you. Let's, let's help each other. That's not from God. Can you see that's not from God? That someone putting stuff on you, don't re resist that. We can help each other. I've said this over and over again. Let me say it again. You cannot lose your salvation. You can never lose your salvation. Once you're saved, once you put your faith in Jesus, you're always saved. Once saved, always saved. But, and, you can lose your reward, you can lose your inheritance, and you can become enslaved again to fear. You can. We can lose what God has for us and how He wants us to live and the inheritance He has in our lives if we, if we, if we do not give ourselves in obedience. And John, the letter of John, 1 John 2, says this in verse 19 uh, about anyone who turns their back on the faith permanently. He's, John says this, They were not of us, for if they had been, they would have continued with us. What does he mean? His point is really simple. If you are truly saved by grace, if you have know the grace of God and God, God has revealed the, His grace to you and you are changed and you are radically transformed, and you show that by continuing to put your trust in your life in the grace of God. Once you are saved by grace, you live by grace, you are confident that you are going to be glorified one day by grace. That's it. 
And what John is saying, if you fall away from that, you never really understood the grace of God in the first place. <laughs> He's saying, I'm not quite sure that something happened in your life. Because if you turn away from it so easily, you haven't grasped what it's done for you. you, 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 you you're not living that out because you haven't understood the immeasurable kindness of God that He lavished Himself on your life through Jesus and plucked you out of darkness and put you into kingdom of light. Once you've understand that, understood that, everything changes and you don't ever go back. And so that's why Paul is able to say later in verse 10 of this letter, I'm confident in the Lord Jesus that you will take no other view. He knows these Galatians are truly saved and that they do believe in the gospel and that they want to do the right thing. Second implication for us. The first implication is that we have to fight for our freedom. The second implication for us is that law, the religious law, is really slavery. Religious law is really slavery. Paul makes this point by making, looking back at this um, truth that he explores in Galatians 4, and he encourages them, do not go back to be burdened again with a yoke of slavery. He's saying if you put yourself under rules, you are going back to be a slave. That's a powerful, powerful thing. So it was interesting to me when I was just refreshing myself in this, that in Paul's time, the, the law of Moses and the law of the scribes and Pharisees, when, the, when they would practice that and, and they would learn about that, students said they were coming under the yoke of the Pharisees. That was the common expression, coming under the yoke of and what does Jesus say in Matthew 11, verse 29? He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. How many of you want rest in your lives? That sense of peace, that sense of, ah, you're not going to find that by living by rules. Because all the rules do is point out how you failed. Are, is God's law wrong? Absolutely not. Is it right that we should not commit adultery? Absolutely. Is God's, God's law is perfect in every way. So when he says, do not commit adultery, that is, a, that is the good thing. It's the right thing. When God says, do not murder, that's absolutely right. Of course it is. But what Paul is driving at here is you can't put your confidence in just following the rules. That doesn't bring life to you. What brings life to you? How does, how does peace and righteousness come into your life? It comes as you walk by faith and you hear the voice of Jesus and he says, my son, don't do that. Rather do that. Then you have peace and righteousness in your life. That's what Paul is saying. And so he, he, he challenges uh, in Acts 15. Uh, th there's this in verse 10. It says, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? Saying the same thing. Jesus saying, you, you Pharisees, you, you put this on God's people. You say, tie the tenth of everything and you include all, all this, the, the spices and the cumin and all the little details and you put this on them and yet your hearts are far from me and you do nothing to help them. What kind of faith is that? And 
the same God would say to us. Live by the Spirit. Live by the law of love. And you will help people fulfill every other good thing for their lives. Yes? This is freedom. This is this is, should so excite you <laughs> because Jesus is saying, take my yoke. If you, if you listen to me and you take my yoke on, my yoke is nothing like the Pharisee's yoke. It's not going to break you. It's going to bring you life. And actually it's easy. And you, all you have to do is listen to the Spirit of God and He will show you what you have to do. Man, that's so, so wonderful. Remember, He's saying here, don't, don't come under this yoke again. Why is He saying that? It's disturbing that He's say, having to say, you've done that once, don't do it again. Well, they were pagans. Remember, these are Gentile people. They came out from idol worship. And uh, you can read about that if you, if, if you are interested. But idol worship demanded certain things of, of people. And you had to do all these practices. And it involved food and religious washing and all sorts of things. And Paul says, God's already saved you out of that. Now, don't put yourself under that again. Don't do that. Don't say, okay, you're going to replace one kind of legalism with another. And I would put it in modern language, I would put it like this. You might have been an amoral liberal. Don't now become a religious moral conservative. Live by the Spirit. Yes? Our culture is full of amoral liberalism. You can just do whatever you like. The gospel says, no, you live by the Spirit. But don't replace that, says Paul, with a moral conservatism, religious conservatism that actually has got no life in it, just as amoral liberalism has no life in it. Find the way of grace, the way of God's kindness and love, and live radically from that place, and you will love, and you will live with power. Come on. So Paul is saying, don't do that. And he's saying, ironically, he's saying liberalism, and, and legalism are both slavery. You notice that? They're equally as bad as each other. Live by the Spirit. And he's saying there's a little sign for these guys. Small thing. Just get circumcised. Just a small thing. Small piece of skin, remove it. It's all you have to do. It's the sign. I was thinking about that. You know, there are all sorts of signs in our culture right now, aren't there? People use flags, badges, stickers, all sorts of signs to show their allegiance to different causes in culture. And those are now labels that people identify themselves with. I am non-binary. I am asexual. I am this. I am that. This is my identity. This is my label. Paul says you put your faith in any label, you're not going to know the power of Christ in your life. You, for, for them, it was a small sign of being circumcised. If you put your faith in that, you're robbing the power of Christ in your life to live by the Spirit. That's all you're going to get. And whenever you try and live like that, you're always going to find in your life anxiety, anxiousness, not ever feeling that you're good enough. Not ever knowing that you've done enough to please God if you live like that. And Paul says, don't do it. <laughs> don't put yourself under that kind of slavery. Don't do it. If you've, you've been freed from that slavery, don't put yourself under again. It's very bold. And he says, actually, if you, if for anyone who accepts circumcision, he said, 
well, you know what, you, you need to realize that Christ is of no advantage to you whatsoever. And your life is going to be filled by touchiness, insecurity, pride, discouragement, and the weariness of people that just don't ever know that they've done enough to please God. How many of you want to live like that? Just never, ever knowing that you've done enough. Paul says, put your, put your trust in Jesus. He's done all that you need. And live with joy and freedom by the power of the Spirit, just opening your ears day by day. And God will tell you, and He will lead you into all truth and all righteousness. That is good news. My friends, it's the same decision that you have to make for your life as these guys had to make for their lives. What will you do? What will you put your trust in ultimately at the end of the day? Is your trust in Jesus and the power of the Spirit, or is your trust in subtly and all sorts of other things that you hope are going to please God? If I just pay my tithe and pray once a day, that's enough. I've been a good Christian. Paul says, it's not going to do it. It's not going to bring you joy. It's not going to bring you peace. What's going to bring you joy and peace is putting your trust in Jesus, living by the Spirit, and then He enables you to do all things for for righteousness' sake and for His kingdom. Uh, What am I saying? I'm saying that there are beautiful benefits for you in Jesus. He'll teach you what you need to know. He'll help you to grow in wisdom. He'll give you a new mind. And that's why we say you must live on Jesus, not on tradition, not on a moral code, not on what other people's expectations are of you. You live on Jesus as He teaches you, and He will teach you and lead you. Secondly, Jesus not only teaches us, He feeds our heart. He feeds our inner life. He feeds the inner man. I've used this expression many, many times over. The hidden person of the heart, Jesus will feed you there in the deep place that only you know, that you know is dry when, when, you, when you're not in a good place. You know that this, the inner person is not in a good place right now. Jesus will feed you by the power of the Spirit if you will open your ears. He'll give you joy and life. He'll enable you to feel that you're in control that your life is not out of control, that your emotions are not out of control. By the power of the Spirit, He gives you discipline in the hidden man. And fourthly, He he, he shapes, uh, thirdly, He guides our decisions. If you ask Him, He'll always tell you where to go and what to do. Faithful, we sang about it this morning. Jesus is always faithful. Fourthly, He'll shape your circumstances. We've talked about this before. No matter what is happening in the world, My friends, no matter what is happening in the world, the promise of God for you that have put your faith in Jesus is He works all things together for good for those that love Him. That means all things. That means even the war in Ukraine. That means even the price of petrol going up. That means even inflation being 10%. For those that love Him and are called, He works all things, the good, the bad, the indifferent, the ugly, all things in your life together for good. How does he do that? I don't know, but he does because he's sovereign and good and kind in every way. That's what he do. And he's the head of the church. He's head of the world. And Paul's point is that if you, lo- you will lose that as your experience if you turn your eyes away from Jesus. That is one of th- that's why he finishes with this. He says... Uh, 
I'm, I've, I'm just like, I'm all over the place. This is not a good example of how you should preach, all right? <laughs> Last thing uh, I want to say, verse 3. Paul says, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You cannot pick and choose the bits that you like from the law. That's what Paul is saying. And people have done that. I've, be, I've been in churches before where there is this thing that you need to be a little bit more Jewish. And there were people that danced these funny Hebrew dances and waved flags and said, you have to be like this to please God. And it's like, really? I mean, there's nothing going wrong with going to explore the Holy Land and all that. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's not the thing. <laughs> the thing is Jesus. Yeah, the, the thing, yeah, that's what we need to know and love with all of our hearts is Jesus. And the people certainly do admire some parts of the law. But you, you know the parts that we like? It's normally the, the moral law, isn't it? Uh, we, we, like, we like you should not, don't commit adultery and all those kind of things. But do you remember what Jesus said? He said, actually, my law is much higher than that. If you look at a woman with lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery with her in your heart. You've done it already. So it's not just about obeying the law. Well, you know, I lived my life and I never slept with anyone else. Well, that's good. But Jesus is saying there's something much higher that I have for you that comes by grace, that comes by the voice of the Spirit, that you can live completely differently if you aim at Jesus. And so it is about the voice of the Spirit. It is about living in this way of saying, Jesus, what do you want for me? And you see, that, as I've said, there's nothing wrong with God's law, but we can't aim at that. We have to, we have to aim at Jesus and living by the Spirit. And this is the, the verse that terrifies me most. Verse 4 says this, You have severed yourself from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. Wow. All of us can fall away from grace by putting our focus on the wrong things. Jesus says, love me with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. Hear the voice of my spirit, and you will know grace in your life day by day. You take your eyes off that, you fall away from grace, and all it brings into your life is fear, disillusionment, discouragement, never knowing that you've done enough. And so this is the conclusion in verse 5. Paul lands on this, what I'm saying. He says, for through the spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. Paul is not talking about the second coming. He's not talking about when Jesus comes back on that final day. He's talking about, right, he's, he's dis discussing the benefits of Jesus in your life in this letter and how the blessings of, of Jesus can be unlocked in your life. And so he's saying, if you want the blessings of God in your life to be unlocked by the power of the Spirit, don't put yourself under the law. If you do that, there's Jesus of no benefit to you. No, you live by the Spirit. You live with, with grace and kindness. And is it by the law we are to expect righteous, holy living in our lives? Paul says, no. It's by faith and the Spirit that you experience day by day joy, peace, kindness, goodness, self-control. All those things that we want. How do they come? 
They don't come by trying really hard. No, Jesus, what do you want me to do today? Who do you want me to pray for? Who can I encourage? Who can I love? How can I give my money in a way that pleases you? How can I give my friendship in a way that pleases you? And you know, as you start to live like that, what floods your heart? Joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control. It's the way that God has for you. What am I saying? I'm saying you can live in a relaxed, joyful, happy, kind way right now if you will listen for the voice of Christ, if you will open heart to the Holy Spirit. He will do it for you. He who promises is faithful. There's a radiant, holy, blameless future for us that is guaranteed because we are called sons and heirs. We are sons and daughters, and we have this certain future. It is essentially true right now that you and I can live today knowing we are, are, are right now and always will be absolutely beautiful to Jesus. Absolutely beautiful to Him. We are as loved, as chosen, as forgiven, as honored by God right now as we will be that on that day when we are glorified and we are perfectly radiant before Him. I hope this is good news to you because this is good news to me. This is what helps me to get out of bed and live my life day by day. And so as we develop this attitude in our hearts, this passionate delight in all that we've been given, we can be certain of what is to fully come in heaven and that enables us to live peacefully now. My friends, you want to live peacefully now. It doesn't come by reading the news and getting all stressed. And it comes by reading the word. It comes by hearing the voice of the Spirit. That's how peace comes. And it's available for you. It's available for me as we simply put our trust in Him, the great King. Amen. Now, I am going to ask you to respond this morning because for me, I, w- I want to just say to you, I, I, I'm not perfect. And there are many times that I f- have to fight fear in my life and I have to fight. I've said to you before, sometimes I know when I'm stressed because I wake up at 3 o'clock, regular clock work when I'm stressed and my brain is like, and then I feel my heart going, have you ever known that? Yeah? Then you have to fight. That in that moment, you can't just give in. You have to fight. You have to say, Jesus, right now, by the power of the Spirit, help me. And now whatever that is for you, you have to fight in that moment to regain your equilibrium from fear. So I'm going to ask you to stand if, if you, if you want to respond this morning and just say, by the power of the Spirit, Jesus, help me to live like this. And I am right at the front of the queue because I'm, I'm not perfect. And I need Jesus, by His Spirit, helping me day by day. If you want to respond, I'm going to ask you to stand, and I'm going to ask the musicians to come. I'm going to ask the Spirit to come and to confirm these things in our heart and to give us strength to live like this, that we truly can show the love of Christ to others. And I want to say, my friends, we are all in the same boat. Don't let anyone tell you that they've got it down. They don't have it down. It only comes by the power of the Spirit in our lives. Amen? Let's respond. Can you lead us? Thank you.
Holy Spirit, we ask that you'd come. Thank you for the power of your words. But right now, Jesus, we ask that you'd come with the power of your spirit. And Lord, words are good, but your spirit is perfect. And for all of my friends standing right now, Lord, I pray, whatever their needs, whatever their anxiety, whatever their cause of stress in their lives, I pray right now that they would be able to lift up their eyes to you. Jesus, you are all that we need. Thank you for what you've won on the cross. Thank you for your spirit given to enable us. And right now, Holy Spirit, we wait on you and we ask that you would come. Ask that you'd move. Ask that you'd refresh. We ask that you'd bring peace. You'd bring courage.